It's been a few weeks since we've been in the songs of degrees. We're just preaching through them as the Lord uh, gives us liberty. And so look at Psalm 128 tonight, verse number 1. It says, A song of degrees. Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace Upon Israel. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you once again for your word tonight. And I want to thank you, Lord, for this particular psalm that you've directed us to, and Lord, in our study and prayer. And Lord, even today, as I was meditating over a couple messages, I couldn't get away from this thought. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, if you don't say, do anything, I'd say one thing to everybody here tonight. Now, it may not be the same thing, but God, would you preach individual messages, Lord, preach it in my life tonight. And may we take that one thing that you speak to us about. And we be obedient, or if we need to remove something, add something, do something, stop something, whatever it is, help us to be obedient to that one thing. Or may the Word of God have free course through business in our hearts tonight. And what you do, we'll thank you and give you glory for it. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If I've done my count right, we're about halfway through the 15 Psalms of Degrees that begin in Psalm 120, and they go through Psalm 134. Uh, We're not necessarily preaching them every service, just as the Lord gives us liberty. And tonight we come to Psalm 128, and it begins with a very common word throughout the Hebrew hymn book. It is the word blessed, the theme and the context of this psalm is the blessed life. Now, you've heard those people say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Uh, well, don't believe them, all right? Paul was blessed, but he said, I still pressed out of measure, all right? People like that want to make you feel like you're bad if you're, you're a bad person if you're stressed out. But I tell you, sometimes you can be blessed and stressed at the same time. Somebody said, how's that the case? Well, if you're stressed, that means you're still alive and you're still breathing air, and that means you're blessed, amen? And so, in this text, he is talking about this word blessed has many different definitions throughout the word of God one definition I read and this is before duck dynasty so all the duck dynasty people don't get too excited but it literally means happy happy all right it's what the word blessed one definition said uh, I don't know if maybe they read that in a dictionary somewhere and started using it uh, but it also means to enjoy spiritual happiness and we find in this psalm we're going to preach to the psalm and then head to one verse and make an application and we'll go to the house. But I want to see how God has blessed this man and how God has blessed you and I in this psalm. First of all, God has blessed this man's field in verse number 2. Notice what the Bible said, please. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. In this verse, we learn that God believes in three things. First of all, this verse teaches us that God believes in work. Notice what he says. The labor 
of thine hands. One man said that he was not afraid of work. He said he could go and lay down right next to work and go to sleep and it not bother him one bit. I'm afraid there's a lot of people today that are not afraid of work and they can just go to sleep right next to it. That was supposed to be funny and you must not have got it. All right. Just making sure you're still with us. God believes in work. In Genesis chapter number 2, he put Adam in the garden and this is before the fall of man. This is for the serpent deceived Eve. This is before all of that. Here's what God told Adam. He put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So even before the fall of man, man still had a responsibility to work. Now we understand that part of the curse was that he would earn his living by the sweat of his brow. Imagine this. Before this text, Adam never sweated. I got so mad at Adam the last two and a half days. I can't stand it. Been out doing yard work and just sweat pouring off my face. And I'm like, when I see, when I get to heaven, I'm going to shout the victory. I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm going to have a few minutes with Adam before we kick off eternity. Somebody say amen right there. And then we're going to talk to Eve, all right? Amen. But anyway, uh, it is the work, the labor of his hands. Let me say this. God is not for laziness. God is not for slothfulness. The Bible said in Proverbs 15, verse 19, the way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns. In other words, you ain't going to get nowhere. You're not going to make any progress if you're lazy in life. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 9 says, He also that is slothful in his work, uh, in his work is a bother to him that is a great, or a brother to him that is a great waster. The Bible said in Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse number 10, he said that if, he said, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. I remember a few years ago, it was actually during, uh, there was a virus that went through the land a few years ago. Some of y'all might remember it. And I was, uh, you know, everybody, everything was locked down and shut down. And I'm in the middle of, of uh, where was I at? Travers Rest, South Carolina, a three and a half week revival meeting. And we were just hugging and shouting and, and only, and, you know, we just went on. But one day we went, uh, one day in the afternoon, we went down to, uh, Gaffney to the little, uh, outlet mall just to walk around and, and fellowship and, and, uh, just have, a, I think it's just me and Greg that was there that day and so we was walking around and I'm talking on the phone to somebody eating the worst Philly cheesesteak sandwich I've ever had in my life alright I'm sitting there eating this sandwich threw, threw the rest of it away it wasn't any good and a buddy of mine was on the phone and he was talking about working he said what are you doing I said I'm eating he said eating I said yeah and we was talking I don't know how it come up but I said well, you know the Bible said if a man don't work he shouldn't eat I'm talking to this man on the phone. Where is this fellow standing over here next to me? And he looks at me and he says, you're a four-eyed redneck. And he didn't say that as a compliment. He said that derogatory. Well, me being me, I said, thank you very much. <laughs> and I walked on. I, he, he meant it to be insulting. He didn't know. He just made my day. Somebody say amen right there. But I'm telling you, the Bible still says that if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. Amen. I'm not talking about people that physically can't work. Uh, and, and I'm not against helping people like that with government assistance. But I tell you, we could fix a lot of our problems in this country if all these people that are just lazy living on welfare that could go get a job and could go work, they get off welfare and go get a job, we could actually get it to the people that needs it, amen. And no, I'm not running for governor or anything like that. That's just the truth. And so this verse teaches us that God believes in work, but then this verse teaches us that God believes in wealth. Notice what he said in verse number 2. For thou shalt eat of the labor of thine hands. We note in this verse that God has no problem with a man enjoying the fruits of his labor. You're not spiritual if you're poor. 
And you're not necessarily spiritual if you're rich. But here's what God's saying. God said, if you work for it, if you earned it, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the labor of your hands. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 14 says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In other words, if you got a bonus at work, after you tithe on it, take your wife out to the steakhouse and eat a good meal. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with enjoying the labors of your work. But a lot of people, they get consumed with money and get consumed with things. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8, verse 11 through 18, God gives a warning to the people of Israel. He said, when you get into the land of Canaan, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. He said, you know what you'll do? He said, you'll begin to think that you're the one that worked for this and earned for this. But there, there he gives us that principle that it is God that giveth us the ability to make wealth. Wealth. And if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have breath in our body to go to our jobs and to make a living. And so in this verse tonight, God believes in work and God believes in wealth. Here's what the Lord said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, but I say unto this, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now you can't sow bountifully if you hadn't been blessed with some wealth. You know, the TV preachers want to talk about a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I mean, if you give this $500 donation to their ministry, God's going to give you $5 million. Well, why don't they just give $500 to me, and then they can get $5 million from the Lord? I've never understood that. Like that fellow said, he was listening to a preacher on the radio, and that preacher saying, if you'll send $10 in, I'm going to send you this prayer cloth, and this prayer cloth, you put it in your wallet, and you'll be blessed with finances, and you won't have any needs. And then he said, now, dear friend, we do need to hear from you on the radio this month. If you don't send in your offer, we're going to have to go off the radio station because we can't pay the bills. That preacher said, why don't you put one of them prayer claws in your wallet and pay your bills? Ain't it amazing how these guys lie and just try to fleece the people of God? I'm talking about the John, the, the, the John Hagees and the David Cirillos and, and, and all those kind of guys that fleece God's Benny Hinn, all that crowd. Uh, I'm telling you, God believes in wealth. He said, so sparingly shall reap also sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap also bountifully. The question's always been in tithing. Do I tithe off my gross or do I tithe off the net? That depends on if you want gross blessings or net blessings. It ain't going to be, ooh, I gave God too much. I tell you, I've, I've had a few people tell me before, man, you may, you may have gave a little bit too much, but I ain't missed nothing. God's took care of me and God's met my need. And I'd rather, it's like, it's like Uncle Sam. I'd rather give Uncle Sam a little bit too much and him send me a check back yeah, right. And then not to pay him enough, and he comes knocking on my door. And I'd rather give to the Lord as to God to give me a curse like you talking about in Malachi. Amen. I'm just telling you, God believes in that. Amen. God also believes in wellness in this verse. He said, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Now, I've heard this statement all my life, and I understand the premise of the statement, but they'll say, God is more concerned with your holiness than he is your happiness. And I've made that statement before, but I got to thinking about that. Since when is holiness and happiness enemies? We almost, when we make that kind of statement, Brother Michael, it's almost like we're saying, if you're holy, you're mad, you have no fun, you have no joy. I'm a Christian. I can't even do it. <laughs> I mean, how effective witness is that? Won't come to church Sunday and experience the joy of the Lord? <laughs> like, no, weirdo, get away from me, all right? I tell you, there's nothing wrong with being holy and living right, but being happy in this text. He said, happy thou shalt be, and it shall be well with thee. Hey, I'm happy living for the Lord. 
I'm happy living for God. I tell you, the Bible said the way of a transgressor is hard. The Bible said, come to me, all you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I tell you, it's not a drudgery to live for God. It's a blessing to live for God. We wonder why nobody wants to go to church. It looks like it's killing us. Want to come to church with me Sunday? Like, no, <laughs> I want to go to the steakhouse, all right? I'm just telling you, this text teaches us that the Bible said happy is the people that are in such a case. Yea, happy are that people whose God is the Lord. Happiness and holiness are not enemies. I, I, here's what I mean tonight. If you'll live holy for the Lord, you'll be happy. If you try to separate from sin, you'll have that blessed life that he talks about in verse number 1. And so this psalm teaches us that God has blessed this man's field. Verse number 3, God has blessed this man's family. Look at verse number 3. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants, uh, uh, olive plants ground uh, about thy table. In other words, around about thy table. In other words, God loves the family so much that he gave his son a bride. You realize that? God loves the family unit so much that he wanted to give his son Jesus Christ a bride we know his companion in verse number, verse number 3 thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house the Bible said in Proverbs 18 22 whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord somebody say you shouldn't be looking for a wife well how can you find a wife if you ain't looking for a wife amen I understand waiting for God to bring you one but the Bible said when you find a wife you find a good thing and you obtain favor of the Lord now there's some women lives no doubt lives out there tonight and they say well you see the Bible says that I was a thing. Well, don't get mad about that because in Luke chapter number 1, when the Lord, when Gabriel's talking to Mary, he said, that holy thing that shall be born of you, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty good company, ladies, ain't it? And so the Bible said in Proverbs 19, 14, houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above, above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he hath no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And it is my prayer that every lady in this church will commit that verse to memory and live it out. And all the men said, that she'll do us good and not evil. <laughs> Be nice to your husband. <laughs> Come on, man, help me out, amen. The Bible said in verse 28, her children shall rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. You know where we fell at, fellas? Is this last part of this verse. And he praiseth her. This man in Proverbs 31 brags on his wife and praises his wife. This man in this text is blessed because he has a godly wife. We notice his, his companion. We notice children. He said, thy children are like olive plants round about thy table. As we learn from Psalm 127, children are a blessing from God. This little phrase in Ephesians 6 where he says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. It means we're to be a positive and a spiritual influence in their life. God has blessed us with children. I know I've already preached on that in Psalm 127, but we need to realize the potential of our children. We note not only his companion and his children, but we note the man's castle in verse number 3. He said, thine house. 
God's blessed this man with a home. I tell you, this man tonight is a blessed man. Would you not agree with that? God's blessed his field, his labor he's working in. God's blessed him with a family. But then God's blessed his future. Look at verse number 5 and 6. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. His, he, this man is blessed. His blessing is the result of the church. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Of course, Zion is the spiritual term for Jerusalem, which indicates spiritual blessings that come from the temple. I tell you, that man, the reason he's blessed, he's faithful in church. He sees blessings on his city. Of course, this is referring to the Jew. He said, Now shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me now. To the Jews, this was a reminder that God was going to be good to the nation of Israel even while they were hated by the world and even attacked by the Antichrist during the tribulation period. I know the world looks down upon Israel now and Jerusalem's attack, but even during that tribulation period, God is going to allow that Jew to see that land make it through the war and God is going to set up His earthly kingdom there in Jerusalem. His blessings on the church and on the city, but His blessings will continue. Look at the latter part of verse number 6. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. In other words, here's what the psalmist is saying. God was good to me yesterday. God is good to me today. And God's going to be good to me tomorrow. I tell you, we're blessed tonight, are we not? God's blessed my field. God's blessed my family. And God's blessed my future. But I preached all of that to get to this. Why has God blessed this man? You ever thought about that? Why has God blessed him? Well, we can say because God's a good God. And yes, that is the right answer. God blesses us because he is good. But this psalm tonight tells us why. Look at verse number 1. Blessed, happy, the one who's going to enjoy spiritual blessings is everyone that feareth the Lord and walketh in his ways. Verse number 4, he reiterates that. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed, that what? That feareth the Lord. I want to preach on for the next five minutes, and just give you this little outline, and I'm done, on how to have a blessed life. You want God to bless your field, your work? You want God to bless your family? You want God to bless your future? Well, this psalm says God will bless that man, or that lady, that fears the Lord. Notice three things in verse number one. First of all, it's a personal fear. Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord. I can't fear God for you, and you can't fear God for me. Now, I know what you're going to hear on a Wednesday night, but let me just reiterate this. This word fear does not mean to be scared of God, even though I am scared of God. I mean, He's God. But this word fear here means to have a reverence. It means to have respect. It means to have an awe and a worship of God. It gives the idea of being respectful. Here's what Spurgeon said. The fear of God is the cornerstone of all blessedness. A.W. Tozer said, When men no longer fear God, they transgress God's laws without hesitation. It is a personal fear. We are commanded to fear the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You know, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Song of Solomon. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. John Philip said Solomon thought he could find happiness in thought. So he gave himself to wisdom, but wisdom did not make Solomon happy. 
Solomon thought he could find happiness in thrills. So he dedicated his life to pleasure. He had everything money could buy, but it didn't make him happy. Solomon thought he could find pleasure in things, so he went in for making money and became a merchant, but even things did not make him happy. Here's the last verse that Solomon wrote in his life. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, here's what life's about. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this, not thrills, not thoughts, not things. For this, fearing God is the whole duty of man. It is a personal fear. Not only is it a personal fear, this is the, the command of fear of the Lord, the consummation of fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I'd say when you fear God, it'll begin some things in your life. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's the command of fear of the Lord, the consummation of fear of the Lord, but then there's consolation in fearing the Lord. Here's what I mean. Spurgeon said, He who fears God has nothing else to fear. You know why a lot of people are fearful in this world? Because they don't have the right fear of God. When we realize who God is and what God can do, it makes a difference in our life. Oswald Chambers said the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Take a personal inventory tonight. How's your fear? If you're feared everything else, and you're not, you're, I'll tell you what you're doing. You're not fearing God. Oh, may God help us have a fear of God. So it's a personal fear. Secondly, it's a proper fear. He said, feareth the Lord. In my Bible, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's a proper fear because of His person. He's God. He's God tonight. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Somebody said, preacher, what was there before Genesis 1-1? God. He existed before that verse was ever written. Before that verse ever took place, there was God. And by the way, after this thing's over, there'll be God. We ought to fear Him because of His person. He's God. But because of His position, He's the Lord. That speaks of His governing. He rules. He reigns. He leads. We ought to fear God because of His power. That speaks of His greatness. I tell you tonight, we get so caught up with the things all around us. And we lose that fear of God and that reverence of God. And it has a negative effect on our faith. We've heard a lot of talk the last two and a half, three years about fear. And you'll see things. You'll see the billboard. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. And I understand that. But I'll tell you where, if we just get our fear of God right, our faith would be right. Because when we have the right respect and reverence of God and we realize who He is and realize what He can do, we'll want to believe that God. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down tonight? It's a personal fear. Everyone, it's a proper fear. That fear of the Lord. Here's the last thing and I'm done. It must be a practice fear. Watch the last clause of verse 1. That walketh in His ways. You know what people say? Yeah, I'm a God-fearing man. But they don't go to church. And they don't read the Bible, and they don't pray, and they don't live for God. They might fear God, but they don't fear God as much as what they think they do. You know what that thief on the cross, who's that other thief that's running on the Lord, he said, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? You know why that man was running his mouth? He didn't fear God. You know why this world runs their mouth against God? Because they don't have a fear of God. It is a practice fear. Many claim that they fear the Lord, but their walk does not match their talk. 
Spurgeon said, It is idle talk of fearing the Lord if we act like those who have no care whether there be a God or not. In other words, here's what Spurgeon said. He said, you're wasting your time running your mouth saying you fear God if you're living like those that don't believe in God. Hello? Is that not where we're living? we got people that want to claim the name of Christ, but they want to walk the way of the world. And the Lord said, that's, that's not... He said, if you're going to fear the Lord, you're going to walk in His ways. What are His ways? His ways are laid out in the Word of God through the Scripture. That's His ways. He said in Psalm 77, that way is in the sanctuary. We could, preach, we could preach for weeks on the ways of God, but the ways of God are laid out through the covers of this Bible. It, it, it's amazing to me, and I'm almost done. I told you I had five minutes, and i got two minutes left. It's amazing to me tonight, people that say they fear the Lord, but they don't want anything to do with the Bible. They don't want anything to do with church. They don't want to do anything to do with the Lord or His people. It's almost like Brother Tony, Brother Michael, they just want to get out of hell free card. Fire insurance. I tell you, the Lord, when He saved you, and I'm, y'all all right? The Lord, when He saved you, He did save your soul from hell and to get you to heaven. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. That's why I got saved. I didn't want to go to hell when I died. I wanted to go to heaven. Thank God. But that ain't the only reason He saved us. If that was the only reason He saved us, He'd have took us to heaven the moment we trusted Him as Savior. So he wants us to live for him and honor him. Why? Why did, you know, angels worship God because they were made to. God created man because he wanted something to worship him and love him because they wanted to. Because they chose to. He had angels that can sing a whole lot, or I don't know if angels sing, but he could have made them sing a whole lot better than we do. He had angels to do a lot of things to worship him, but he wanted somebody to do it because they wanted to. And that's why it's so important to walk in his ways. Three closing thoughts in this, in this text, and I'm done. There must be a denial. He said we've got to walk in his ways. So if we're going to walk in his ways, that means we've got to deny our ways. Because we got ways, don't we? we got paths, we got ideas, but it's got to be, Lord, not my will, but thy will. There must be a, a, not only a, a denial... But this little phrase also tells us there must be a direction. His ways. Vance Hadner said, nobody goes to heaven walking towards hell. We got a lot of people that claim the name of Christ. And you know me, I don't preach doubt. I don't preach to confuse people. But I'm telling you, everybody that says they're saved ain't saved. Everybody that has their name on a church roll's name is not on heaven's roll. Somebody say, you shouldn't judge people. Show me in the Word of God. And don't come with Matthew 7, 1, because I'll eat you lunch. What I'm telling you, and I'm in that prideful, but that's taking a verse out of context. I'm telling you tonight, we ought to be able to look at your life. Paul looked at that church at Thessalonica and said, I know you're saved by your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. What about that? Do you have, work of, do you have a work of faith? Do you have a labor of love? Do you have that patience of hope? We need to preach on 1 Thessalonians 1 again soon. I'm just telling you tonight, there's a lot of people that are walking their own way and they're not walking in the ways of God. There must be a denial. There must be a direction. But there must be a devotion that walketh in His ways. That you know, you've heard me preach many times, that ETH on the end of a word puts in a continual sense. Not they do good for a little while. And I know, I know we all grow cold on the Lord from time to time. I understand that. I know we always ain't reading our Bible like we should. Well, I ain't, and I, ain't, don't, I ain't the only one. Help me now. 
I don't always pray like I should. I'm not always a witness like I should. But where's your desire? I'm not picking on Miss Patty tonight. Miss Patty said, I wish I, I would have spoke to her more. You know what that, tell, that encourages me because she has a desire to do more. Whereas a lot of people, they're just doing enough to get by. They still you enough to get by to mark off a checklist. But I tell you, one of the ways it's always encouraged me and corrected me is even when I wasn't doing right, down deep in my heart, I wanted to do right. Where's that desire at? Where's that devotion at? That's what we need tonight. We need some devoted Christians. We need some devoted believers that want to fear the Lord and not just say it, but live it out and walk in His ways. And the psalmist made a promise to us tonight in the Word of God. Blessed, happy, spiritual happiness is that man that fears the Lord and walks in His ways. And I want to admonish us all tonight as we close to fear the Lord and to walk in His ways. We fear the Lord by our attitude and we walk in His ways by our actions. In other words, the walk needs to match the talk. And may God help. And, and then and only then will we live that blessed life. Amen. Amen. I appreciate your attention tonight. And I appreciate you being in the service. And I hope God challenges us all tonight about living that blessed life. I want God to bless my field, don't you? This is my field. This is, I, I don't mean, this is my job. This is not a, just a paycheck to me, but this is a paycheck. And I want God to bless this place. Just like Brother Tony, you want God to bless your work down there building them semis. And Brother Michael working in that Napa warehouse. And Eric, whatever you do. And, and you want God to bless that. Building them race cars. You want God to bless that. Well, I'm telling you tonight, I want God to bless my family. I want God to bless my future. So I, want, I, I need to fear the Lord and walk in His ways. Amen. We'll be dismissed in word of prayer. I hope that gives you a little challenge tonight to think about and meditate.